Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? Gary, I'm so excited about our topic today <laughs> because, <laughs> because uh, probably of all the topics, and of course we hit on it all the time, but the one that probably has more impact on our lives uh, is the one today, and that's the topic of the Great Restoration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Going on right before our eyes and how many of the world really see it for what it is. Exactly. It's it's an amazing thing. It uh, you know the Apostle Peter t- talks about it. He tells us it's going to happen. It's this amazing thing, and nobody knows mm. except for those of us who do know. Yeah, and yeah. we realize what a big deal it is. It is a big deal, and th- I think you know people ask, "What's the big deal? Why Israel?" And you can't have the restoration of all things without the nation and the people of Israel. And yeah, again, so, such a mystery in the, for such some. Such a mystery, and then not such a mystery once yeah. you get it. You yeah, know? I, I see it as hidden in plain sight. Hidden in plain throughout sight. Throughout the scripture, we know it's there. Well, you know, so for those of us who don't know, uh, those of you who don't know what we're talking about here, we're talking about uh, a reference in the uh, book of Acts. And uh, is the book of Acts, chapter 3, Peter's talking. Mm-hmm. And so setting the context behind this is that Peter, uh, Peter's talking to the people who have gathered in Jerusalem, um, and they have gathered for the uh, biblical holiday of Shavuot, Mm -hmm. and uh, many Christians know that as Pentecost, Pentecost, particularly this particular Shavuot, Mm -hmm. and um, it is this particular Shavuot uh, we all know about when the uh, flames of fire came down, the Holy Spirit came down as flames of fire upon the heads of the believers, so they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, So Peter, that, that incident has happened, and Peter is now talking to the people, and he's giving them an update so some of these these jews have come from like all over the world yeah do we need to give a little background on that kathy maybe for those who don't know what shavuot is you know it's one of the feasts of the lord one of the seven feasts lord and and one of the three uh pilgrimage feasts where people from the jewish people from all over the known world would gather in jerusalem thus that's why we have the crowd exactly that's exactly why the crowds are there yeah exactly so they've come in obedience okay they're obeying they're obeying torah uh the the bible says for them to come they're there Okay, mm-hmm. and and because they're there, they experience this amazing. Uh, they have this amazing experience with the Holy Spirit. So you know, Peter's there, and he's explaining to the people, uh, those who have come from far away, everything that's happened. You know, since they've been gone, so to speak. Right. <laughs> and so um, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus, Yeshua, and um, he's talking about him, his life, uh, that he was crucified, that he rose again, and that. He had uh, he had uh, risen from the dead and had lived on earth for forty days. Okay, mm-hmm. and then the disciples had watched him ascend up into heaven. Right, and it was then that Jesus had told them that he would be coming back. Right. Okay, right. basically the same way that he went right. went out. Right, and do, you, and do you remember the question that they asked him before he left? Yeah, what did they say? He said, "Are are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time?" Oh, that's right. And he yes. said, "It wasn't for them to know; only the Father in heaven knew." But they had an expectation of restoration. Yes, they were looking for the former glory of the nation, the people of Israel. I think they they may not have had the full picture, right. but they understood that was part of. Of their expectation. That was their understanding of the Word of God at the time. And what's interesting, it wasn't um, for them to know that. Right. And and actually, we're existing in a in the time mm-hmm. when it is time to know that. Yeah. So, to so know the are season. we the lucky ones? <laughs> <laughs> so so he's he's telling them, okay, you know, Yeshua has to come back, and he's gonna he's gonna come back. But then he makes a really interesting statement, and he says in Acts three twenty one that Jesus must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. That's right. 
And so you're left if you're looking at that and, and you're going, he must remain in heaven like he's waiting. <laughs> in, a, in a sense, he is. Yeah. You know, the, the father knows when that time is. But according to his own words, he, the father is the only one who he's knows when that time one. is going to come. So it seems that he's waiting and that God is going to start this restoration. Um, and it, it, it looks like to me that it, it, we can assume that, that Jesus is going to finish this restoration process, yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, once and for all. But that would leave it to us. I, I believe so. To, to be part of the restoration? For, for 2,000 years, there's, there's been an expectation that we would participate right. in that restoration until he comes back to finish the job. Exactly. So mm-hmm. we've got the work to do right now, mm-hmm. and it, it says that everything, okay, everything. so everything. And I, yeah. I think about that, and I was like, well, does everything mean everything? And I'm thinking, yeah, probably so. <laughs> you know, so I'm thinking, okay, so everything's out of whack. Yeah. Everything has to be restored. And we've got some responsibility. Yeah. I See, I think that's what, when you say restoration, yes, the natural assumption is that something has to be restored. And, and if it's everything that we think about, where was when was it perfect before? Mm. We're talking all about back to the garden. The garden, exactly. And that perfect relationship that God had with his, with his creation. That's right. So he's looking to restore that perfect relationship and we've come so far from it and so yes and then when you speak of all the holy prophets speaking of this mm-hmm. we have to we have to look at what what have, what have the prophets spoke of more than anything else mm-hmm. the the most prophesied event in all of scripture is the restoration the return the rebirth of israel Mm -hmm. and the return of the jewish people back to the land that's right almost all the prophets spoke about everyone the the major prophets the minor prophets everybody spoke to that to one degree or another um so that's that is like the sign yeah of this great restoration. Yeah, the sign of signs and, when the, when Israel was reborn. Right. Yeah. And and that's what's happening today. Mm-hmm. Um, so throughout this last 2,000-some years, okay, um, it was almost like there was a, a kind of a hiatus in fulfillment of prophecy. We had, we had Jesus on earth, okay, that was fulfillment of all of these prophecies, okay, mm-hmm. at the time, and yet... Lots of people missed it. That's true. You know, they, That's true. they, they it, it was happening right before their eyes. Yeah. And they didn't know. Nothing new under the sun. Exactly. Yeah. When it, I think it's, it's very similar to what we're seeing today is that you don't recognize the miracle when you're in the midst of it. And you know now, unless it's that parting of the sea. That parting of the sea should this should have been a clue. It should have been a sign, and so should have you know being raised from the dead. Yes, and, exactly. And many of the things that Yeshua did while he was on the earth, but uh, again, for some reason, we as human beings, we some sometimes overlook the obvious. Now, if you love God, if you love His Word then I think these things become very clear and evident even as you're in the midst of them. If you're resistant to living according to the Torah, to the words the words of God, the instruction of God, then I believe you have a tendency to miss. Exactly. I think that's where it's at. I think that's where it's at. So, you know, we have these... I can look around as a believer nowadays and see that things are out of whack, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... I, I can see... Um, in, in, in so many different ways that um, the world is calling what is evil good and what is good yes. evil. Okay, yes. so, so things are out of whack. Our, our, uh, God's biblical model for marriage, out of whack. Mm-hmm. We, we, uh, we, 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 we've totally turned that to up on its end. Yeah. We've, re- we've, we've redefined yeah. it. So that is going to have to be restored. We look at other things um, in, in, in our society Think about the idea that God's been removed from almost every institution. Mm-hmm. Almost every yeah. institution. He was there. Yeah. And then it, we removed him. Yeah, I think I think you said it really well um, in one of our previous episodes when you talked about um, God so loved the, the world, but mm-hmm. the word there was cosmos yes. and it's, it's order. Mm-hmm. I, I think you said that so well that we the world is out of order. 
you know, we, we, you know, you know, when the judge smacks the bench and says, you know, order, order in the court, I think the judge in heaven is saying order, order in order in this world. Who's going to listen? Who's going to bring that order in the chaos? And I think though, though the majority of the world is out of alignment, out of order, he's looking to those of us who will say, no, we want to be in that place where we align with God's word, his will, and bring order to the chaos in our world. Right. And I think that what's happened even, um, gosh, even within the last year, okay, within our nation, but actually in the world, we see this chaos, we see yeah. this, we see this disorder, mm-hmm. uh, we, we see all of it. I, I, you know, most believers can look and see even something like, um, uh, the pro-life, pro-choice thing, how out of whack that is. Yeah. You know, we can see those kinds of things, okay? So we know stuff is out of whack, okay? Yeah. But then there's a, this other level of understanding even beyond that, I think. And and the church isn't totally with it on, on this other level, okay? Mm. Um, and, and what I'm really referencing here is kind of... Going back to the idea of Matthew 5, okay, Matthew 5, 17, and, and Jesus said something there. This was not long before he knew he was going to die, okay? Right. So if you're going to die, you kind of think about what's the important thing that you have to say to people, That's okay? True. It's not like, you know, what are we having for dinner tonight, <laughs> you know? Um, so he says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So in the church today, we have um, forgotten these words. We, well, we, we, I think because of the misconception that somehow during Yeshua's lifetime on earth, he fulfilled everything to the point where no long, we, no, we need no longer to be concerned about the original instruction of his father. Okay. Now, they won't say it that way. They say, oh, he's done away with the law. That's the wording. That's the wording. That's the wording. But what they're what we're actually saying, and I think we should be thinking about if you're in our audience and you sit you're you're saying, well, of course he did away with the law. Well now think about it this way. Did he do away with his father's instructions? His teachings? His teachings, his original mandate and, and a code of conduct for his children? Well, that wouldn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. It but, doesn't make but any sense. But that's what we have said. But we just use different language. We just use different language. Yes. And and I, you know, you stopped uh, in your verse eighteen. It says, "Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven." I stood before our congregation one time and said. I didn't wake up this morning and say, I want to be the least in the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, <laughs> I'm not going to, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to teach you to break the commandments. And those commandments are, you know, we look, think about it. And this, I know this is not a popular statement in within the, the today's church, but let's say, all right, we, we claim we obey the 10 commandments. Well, the Sabbath is one of those 10 how many churches are truly keeping the Sabbath? That's right. Um, in fact, I remember looking one time uh, at, it was um, the Southern Baptist Conven- uh, Conventions, you know, their booklet or principles and all of that. And they said in it that we meet on the Lord's Day. Right. Okay, so they weren't they weren't even claiming to meet on the Sabbath, so to mm-hmm. speak, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so they're, so... There has been, although some some people have the understanding that indeed Sunday is the Sabbath, and of course the history of that, and I'm sure we'll spend one of our uh, podcasts talking about the Sabbath just itself. Sure. You know, um, but the history of the Sabbath is that we all know it to be on Friday night to Saturday to Saturday. So the church has has moved away from that, and in an essence, not honoring that. So we're not really keeping even those ten commandments. Exactly. So we we fight to display those commandments, okay, in our courthouses, yet we don't 
feel we need to keep at least one of them. No, I would say at least one of them. That, right? No, that's right. That's right. And sadly. <laughs> yeah. But though, so if we're talking about the restoration of all things, don't you think we should be restoring some of the most basic, the most, well, you know, the 10 are, are so, um, they're, they're a standalone document. Right. There's no debate. So if we're going to restore all things, and, and God desires that we restore all things, don't you think that should be key in that? You know, so I think, I think we have a lot to think about, a lot to do. So many are calling for revival. How are we going to really see revival in the church if we're not restoring uh, the obedience to God's commandments? Exactly. I, I think that that is such a key part of it, um, that that some in the church are seen and some aren't quite seeing that yet but i think that this is now we're living in the time where there are god is speaking specifically to people i know and you know that when god spoke this into our to my heart i know how exciting it was to me and how i responded to that and i did not know about the restoration, I, I had no idea about it, but I, 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 you know, I vividly remember when God spoke that to me, and um, I was so excited about it. I see that in other people. Mm-hmm. I meet people, and if in all of my excitement, as I am always excited to talk about <laughs> it, um, I share with them. Mm-hmm. And it very quickly, I can see either a response to right. that or kind of a glassy eye look, right. like I have I no idea look. what you're <laughs> talking about and I do not care. Yeah, <laughs> I know that look. <laughs> you know that look. And there's really no point of going further with right. that look. But when you get a response of, Wow, I was just thinking about that. I God's been, you know, putting this on my heart too. Right. Then you're like, okay, there's the Holy Spirit exactly working uh, in in individual people's hearts. And what I found is that the restoration movement, if you want to call it a move of God or right. whatever you want to call it, it's not a it's not a it's not coming uh, from leadership within the church for the most part. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's really coming from the bottom up, yeah. you know, with God speaking to individuals. Not that he hasn't spoken to leadership. I, obviously, in your case, he did speak to you uh, not long before you were out of that church. <laughs> okay, but, okay. but, um, but it's coming from uh, individuals who are, are hungry, uh, knowing that there's something that's missing. Well, see, that's, you, hit that, you hit on a great point. So many people are disillusioned. Yes. I think, you know, pastors and youth leaders and assistant pastors and worship leaders are all trying new formulas, new methods, new, something to get the spark, get the revival, get, get, something, get people back to the, pub, get, uh, to the church. And, there, and, and I don't hear anybody really talking about this. No. And this is, this is the restoration of God's way. Right. This is that ancient path that we spoke of previously. Right. So, you know, again, hidden in plain sight. We'd rather we'd rather do our market tested formulas and try to invite people in through you know our coffee shops and giving donuts and and having you know the great greatest sound systems in the world rather than going back to the Word of God. And 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 it's it, it's so simple you yeah. know really to go back to the Word. Um, I I as you know I, I I talk with lots of young adults and so many of them confess to me. That disillusionment mm-hmm. that you were talking about—that um, that they know that something is missing. Yeah. They don't know what it is. Yeah. All the time. Okay. Um, but they know something's not right. They yeah. know it's out of whack. Okay. Yeah. yeah they just need sometimes <laughs> somebody to point that they out. They just need someone to point it out. And I know that with the young people that have felt that way. Something as simple as one dinner together yeah. talking about it is literally all it takes for that fire to ignite yeah. within them. It's life changing, yes. exactly, and and they know um, that that this is real and this is something, and they and the hunger for it is is so intense, and so. I would encourage people in our audience if you're feeling in a way that something's not right Mm -hmm. okay be it within the church within your life within your walk of faith as you're missing out on something um this is 
probably what it is. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I would wager a bet that, yeah. <laughs> because because I just don't see it. it. You don't see it in your mainstream denominational churches or any any churches really. Uh, I mean, handfuls. Right. There, there is a there is a remnant. I believe there are people, as we've discussed. I, I met people in one, in one of my uh, my trips to Poland or you know overseas. I've seen this in in people that uh, uh, see the same thing we do. Yes. So it's not. This is not just a, a phenomenon that's isolated to. Definitely not just you and I. No. Definitely not the U.S. But worldwide mm-hmm. phenomenon of people returning to the original way, uh, the way of the first century church, if you want to call it that, the, the, the way. The way. Um, it, and, and maybe we have differences in, the, uh, in our understanding of how to practice the way, but at least we're going back and, and researching out God's word and, and helping understand that uh, you know, this is the way it was meant to be, not the denominational practices of the modern Christian church. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think that just like uh, Yeshua in his time, what did he, uh, you know, he, he, he came down on the Pharisees because they had created these traditions of men. And I, you know, it's easy for us to read that and go, oh, bad, bad, naughty Pharisees, okay? But at the same time, we've done that, I believe, within our church, that we've created these traditions, these things that, uh, you know, the church doctrine, I guess, so to speak, the church doctrine. And I'm not saying all doctrine's wrong or anything like that, but I think when we've replace church stuff replace the word with doctrine then that's exactly what but what, what yeah. Jesus was talking about exactly what he was addressing yeah that, what, yeah yeah when he said when he said you've heard it said but I say to you mm-hmm. he was talking about man-made doctrine yeah, he was right. not talking about the the Torah the word of God exactly and you know and of course one again one thing that will immediately get criticized for is legalism you know trying to earn your 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 salvation through works that's not what we're talking about here you know yeshua said if you love me you will keep my commandments and we just read matthew 5 speaking of keeping them and teaching others to do so right even the least of them even the least of these so this is not about earning your salvation it's about a love response to our heavenly father Exactly. And even that seems simple, and we've complicated that. And we, we have. We, the, 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 you would expect as a father, mm-hmm. okay, or I would as a mother, um, a, a, a child who, to obey what you said. Right. Okay. There, um, that, and as we get older, uh, we realize how important that is that we, we've learned to do that, you mm-hmm. know, so to speak, yeah. hopefully our parents get smarter. That's what we say as we get older. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yes, yeah, somehow we, we've kind of divorced that in the institution of, of our churches lots of times. And we've put this, we've, in our church, we've set up almost like this false, dichotomy that there was a, a, a between law and grace right okay that exists. there was a time uh when the law that the things were about the law and we often assign that to our older testament or old testament yeah. and then something new and different happened and it was grace so you can choose one or the other is what the idea is is you can choose law or grace and 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 what we're saying is no exactly. they're 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 both in effect right now absolutely <laughs> if you you cannot talk about the restoration of all things without going back and looking at where it all began with Abraham and and why I bring him up is because that's where it started God started restoring he was speaking about the beginning of uh, world redemption. The restoration process begins there. And it was all about grace because Abraham didn't reach up to heaven and grab God's hand or neck and say, you know, save us. Abraham was approached by God. And that's, the, that's the, one of the definitions of the Hebrew word for grace. It's called, it's can, and it is a superior stooping down to an inferior. God initiated the contact with Abraham. That's grace. And, and Abraham obeyed. And he obeyed. Yeah. And that's the response that God expects. Yes. It's the same with us. He's, he's extended grace through Yeshua to us, the Gentiles, but he expects us to obey. 
He expects it. It's more than just a head uh, acknowledgement. It's more than just a verbal confession. Mm-hmm. There should be behavior that follows a, a complete 180, a repentance, you know, mm-hmm. teshuva, a 180 of our previous uh, behavior, and then following God. But that following God is defined in the Torah. Again, we I think again we, we talked about it before about love being a nebulous term unless we have definition of what godly love is. Exactly. And so, that's where we get in trouble with this whole idea of the, of marriage. Exactly. Yeah. What 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 is love? God has defined these yes. things for us. It, it, there's no more guesswork into it. Correct. You know, there's no guesswork. Mm. We just have to look to the word, right. you know. And I think that's what has happened um, I, 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 and by no means do I, I would I put every church or every church leadership no, by no means not. into a category, but I we we have seen churches and mega churches and uh, people who are in leadership positions over many many people um, who have totally separated the old testament from the yes. from the new who have have, have vilified all but vilified the old testament yes. um at least just kind of tossed it away is absolutely unnecessary let's just focus right here starting with you know matthew okay mm-hmm. and jesus well if you like you said don't know what happened before it you don't even know what or why anything needs to be restored or what it needs to be restored to. You don't even know. You can't even fully understand why Jesus even had to die. That's right. I I think I said it before. He didn't come in a vacuum or a bubble. It didn't just appear on the planet out of nowhere. There is a backstory to this. And if if you don't know the context of a passage and what it meant to the people at the time, you don't understand that passage. And it, and we we find the same thing within the New Testament, references to the Older Testament or the Tanakh. And if you don't know what they meant to the original audience, you don't know what they mean. No. And so we we've modernized, westernized the the gospel to something that yes, it's a benefit to our lives if we at least. Uh, you know, are, are seeking and loving God, but we're we're doing we're doing everybody a disservice if we're not teaching the the good news in context. Right, and and, that, and that's it's interesting because the, the the good news, you know, the the message of the disciples was repent. Teshuva, make teshuva, that's the Hebrew word, uh-huh. okay, return. It was, you know, the idea of going, you're going one way and you have to make a 180, okay? Right. And the reason is the kingdom is at hand, okay? Right. God's kingdom is coming, is coming to earth. And you, you think about this idea of kingdom. We don't really, a lot of Westerners don't understand kingdom. You know, that idea of a king has been a long time since there's been right, a king, right, okay, right. that we've at had to think anyway. about, at least yeah. here. Exactly. But in most places in the world, I think that's, that's obviously true too. But um, so in kingdom, the person in charge is the king, right. okay, um, who sets up the laws, the king, you know, so if you, uh, you, you have to turn to the king and he is sovereign over everything. We don't in a kingdom, it's not like America where we all get to vote and say, here's my opinion about right, this. Right. A kingdom doesn't work <laughs> that like doesn't that. Work that okay. Way, does now, short of having uh, Jesus himself as king, I am glad that we live in America sure. and we have that system and the founders were so wise as to, to understand that we don't have good earthly kings, so we need to figure out another way while it's here on earth, okay, uh, to check and balance each other. That was, there was, it was, and they understood a lot of the principles that we're talking about. It's clear by their writings. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, so so in this kingdom idea, so foreign to Western way of thinking, you know, we all get an opinion. In kingdom, we don't really get that opinion. That's right. Okay, we can choose. There's only a, one choice we can we do, well, choose. One, you can either choose to obey the king or disobey the king. 
that's it. You don't get to say, hey, King, I think we should do it this way instead. Right. It just doesn't work right. like that. Now, so I think that that makes it a little tougher for us, even in America, because we're so used to that concept that our our opinion really matters. <laughs> well, that's true. But you would think, though, if we're teaching people to follow and serve the Lord, that that would be our priority, you know, in it, especially as teachers. Um, I just wanted to back up what I said a moment ago about this going back to Abraham and this mm-hmm. grace versus law argument. And I'll use a Newer Testament verse so that, you know, for our audience that, right. that might be skeptical about what we're saying. Galatians 3.8 says, And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. You see, so God chose Abraham to bring about the restoration of the world. Uh, He was going to be the the family line that would bring this about. So the gospel didn't begin with Matthew. That's right. It began began when, when God chose, he showed his grace to Abraham. And then the faith comes in when we say, yes, sir, we obey. We, right. we, we put action to our, uh, our words. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, um, I, I have had this conversation even unfortunately with believers, um, too, that that's, we choose, like I said, just like Abraham, he chose to obey. And the blessings that came from that right. to the entire world, even up and through our Messiah. That's okay? right. Okay, that's that's the line he came from. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, so that 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 blessing of obedience, but still there's that part in us, and and Israel experienced it too. That wants to rebel. Yeah. Okay. That um, I would say that once again thinks that our opinion is more important. And, and, and in a way, what we're doing is placing ourselves in the position of God Yeah. When, when we do that. And, you know, let's make it clear one thing, too. This Torah that we talk about, this Word of God, is for believers only. Mm. You know, it, it, it is, it is um, once you come into this family, okay, this is the way we behave. That's right. Okay? In this this family. So it's difficult with a non-believer to convince them that this is what they should do. Although, by nature and by nature's laws, you know, most people understand thou shalt not murder. Right. Okay? That kind right. of thing. Although, today, uh, not so clear. Not so clear. <laughs> the, okay? the lines right? are, yeah, blurred. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that, con- that concept. But So, okay, a non-believer... I understand. I think where it gets so, where it's so sad to me is with believers who think that their opinion in the matter matters. Yeah. You know? Well, that's a good point. You know, no, I'm, I'm glad you said that because we, we have gotten used, accustomed to be able to share our own opinion and, and maybe... Uh, fudge on the word of God because we think, well, no, that was that was 4,000 years ago. Right. This is today. We know this or we know that. No, there's, there's no sliding scale of morality. God said it, and it, that's what he meant. Right. And we don't have an opinion on that other than to say we're going to obey it or not. Right. I, I've heard, I, yeah, I have even heard from believers, I know what the Bible says. But. This is, but yeah. this is what I believe. Yeah. Okay, then there's just no real point for this Bible to be here for them. What's the point? You just t- totally uh, took the, the you negated it. You made yourself God. You did. You just yeah. absolutely yeah. made yourself God. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there may be times when I look at the Word and I'm like, I may not be so happy with the way God said what you know what I should do in this situation and all of that. Turn the other cheek when I'm not so happy about doing that. Right. Okay, right. but. My opinion on it doesn't matter. That's true. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I have that choice. Yeah. I either obey or I or I disobey. Disobey. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you can't have it both ways. You can't. I don't believe say you're a child of God, and then say, but I am not going to obey. 
once you understand what exactly that means. I think we all sin. We all know that, okay? We mm-hmm. all sin. But there needs to be that thing just like with David, okay? And we see the sins that David did, but that that repentant heart that he had yes. caused God to, you know, think of him as a man after his a own heart. A man after his own heart, which and, is... And we see the things that yeah, he did, you know? Yeah. And they're, they're not so great. <laughs> they're like, I'm like, I'm a lot better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done those things, of, right? Yeah. A lot of in the Bible, you know, I, I was thinking about, about uh, the, the Bible study that we had the other day, and um, someone making a comment about, whoa, look at those people and what they did. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm not so half bad. <laughs> well, yeah. But see, that that to me is part of, um, it, it shows the veracity of the Bible. Because if this was a false book, you don't, you don't put the warts, the sins, the the fallacies yeah. of, of the people that you're trying to you know to, to prop up That's and right. convince the world that these were the people of God. Right. If it was not the the truth, if this was not of the book that was was uh, you know inspired by God, uh, it would they would include the things that we read oh, exactly. about how horrible. Some, some of the of these things people. that these characters did, and when I say characters, I mean these were real human beings. We have a tendency to think of the people of the Bible as the, the figures that we see on the stained glass windows with exactly. the glow, glowing yes. heads around them. Spiritualized. Spiritualized. But yeah. they were human beings like you and I, and man, did they mess up, That's just right. like we do. Exactly. Um, but that doesn't change what God instructed us to do. It, exactly. means, it means we fail. It means we're not perfect, but it doesn't change the fact that he That's said... That's the need for the Messiah. Exactly. 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 So let's look, as we look back then at this, this idea of restoration, um, we have been talking about the concept of the restoration of 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 the Torah to the te- the the restoration of God's people to His teachings mm-hmm. to an understanding that that is not done away with as right. Jesus Himself said in Matthew five. Exactly. Okay, it's not done. It's not obsolete. It's still into. It's still in effect. So that's one of those areas that is a really big restoration area. Yeah. Okay, big one. We also mentioned the Sabbath. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, the restoration of the Sabbath. That one's closely related with um, the other the the other part of that is those biblical holidays. Yes. Okay, that's the other Feast. big part. Yeah. The biblical feasts they're called in uh, Hebrew Moedim, which literally means appointment or appointed times. Mm-hmm. Who who is your appointment with on these? You know, uh, it would in these holidays these holidays are described in leviticus okay right Mm -hmm. leviticus 23 not a lot of christians like reading leviticus that's a really (laughs) tough one yeah and yet at the same time the jewish people often start their children with leviticus with an understanding of under with so they could understand the idea of a a need for a sacrifice there's a lot of sacrificial information in there okay Uh the need for a perfect sacrifice but then right in the middle of leviticus in 23 you've got these moedim okay these holidays and the first one talked about is the sabbath Mm -hmm. so then after that you have these seven holidays okay and those were as we said earlier shavuot okay one of those that's what in obedience to celebrating that moedim those jewish people came from all over the world back to jerusalem as they were supposed to and in obedience they were blessed yeah. Okay, with the Holy Spirit. Because they were making their appointment. They, they, they were They were present where they were supposed to be, meeting with God. And just like an appointment with a with a, with the doctor, okay? Yeah. You know, you, you, you make an appointment. But let's think about this. God has set up this appointment. And for centuries, Christians have not made this appointment. That is correct. Now, there's always been a remnant. There's always been some who have. But for centuries, not only have we not made the appointment, we think we've come up with better alternatives to that appointment. Okay? Um, And the the thing about the, the Moedim is they are the perfect illustration of God's redemptive plan for mankind. 
And in celebrating them, we we see each part of that plan. You know, back when, you know, from the first time Jesus came and what we call the celebration of the spring feast. And for the second time, Jesus is going to be coming, what we call the fall feast. That's okay, right. You know, so we, we think as Christians, we've come up with a better plan. We might call it the ABCs of, of, of salvation. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we make a little track and we hand it to people. Okay, and 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 so you go through your ABCs, but I'm like God already did that. He did in his holidays, and he commanded his people to celebrate it. Uh, most of these holidays say celebrate throughout your generations. Yeah. Okay, and forever. Okay, so yeah. like, okay, what's forever mean? <laughs> okay, and in celebrating them, you will understand my plan. Yeah. What's so bad about that? What is so bad about that? You know, you, you he did command it, but I look at those feasts as his, the intimacy that he wants to have with his children, a longing of, from the creator of the universe to meet with his children. You know, it's like a like a father waiting for his kids to come home on the holiday. Oh, and I, I can understand that. Sure. Once my daughter left for, well, yeah, <laughs> left for yeah, college. Yeah, of course, you long uh, for you to long see her again, for that. right? If she wouldn't show up, I would be heartbroken. Yeah, if, and I believe God has been heartbroken for for at least the 2,000 years. And and, and even before that, the, the, the Jewish people failed to keep many of these feasts. We see it like we look look in, uh, read in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, uh, Ezra steps up to the on a podium, starts reading the scroll, and he reads about the Feast of Tabernacles. And the people, you know, are they were weeping because they had realized they had forgotten these things, and they started keeping the feast immediately. Exactly. Um, because they are God's desires for uh, for us to meet. I mean, you start with when you you talk about Leviticus twenty three, you start with the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and we know from the, the description of the Sabbath, it's a sign between God. God and his children, and we've neglected the Sabbath. And then we go on to look at the seven annual feasts, and they are yearly reminders, reminders of the things that God has done for us. And I say us because throughout history, he has done it for his children. And not, not only has he done it, then he points, as you said, in the fall feast to the things he will do. And if we neglect meeting with him, we're, we're neglecting our relationship. We're neglecting the, the, our understanding is lacking. We don't see the plan playing out. Mm-hmm. There's so much we are missing. We're missing it. Not to mention, like I said, spending time with our Creator, our loving Father in Heaven. That's right. And, and it's not that, you know, we've created holidays to replace them. And it's not, like I said, that they've been complete and utter failures although i think probably parts of it is you know because there are the the gospel has gone forth i just keep saying how much more effective we would have been if we had been doing it god's way than than our way yeah and 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 you know the the experience that you were talking about in the book of nehemiah with the people crying i've literally experienced that i've had people uh, come up to me as i teach about these holidays come up to me crying and say why haven't we been doing these? Right. Why haven't we? And I said, because, you know what, uh, you, it's not time. It hasn't been time. Now it is time. For over 25 years, Ezra International has been helping the poorest of the poor Jewish people escape poverty and persecution. In fact, almost 80,000 Jewish people have now returned to Israel with our help. The average cost to rescue one Jewish person is $360. Your gift of just $30 a month over one year can help return a Jewish person to Israel and restore their hope for a better future. Please go to EzraInternational.org and give your best gift today. Yeah, I do believe that. I do believe God is, there's an appointed time to see this restoration process yes. k- kick into full gear. Um, like I said, it, be, it really did be, begin with Abraham. Uh, but then we have watershed moments along the historical path. You know, you yeah. see you see Israel go into the land for the first time. We see them scattered. We see them return. We see them scattered again. And then we see the rebirth of Israel in 1948. And we see in earnest the return of the Jewish people back to the land. These are 
these are big moments, milestones, milestone <laughs> moments in the restoration process. But all along that path are the little moments and the, the the individuals like you and I who see it at some point in our lives and say, "Oh my gosh, we we missed it. We we didn't see this before." And and then you realize what was has been missing, and then the longing that that has never stopped. I mean, mm-hmm. from the moment I saw this for, for the first time that we I had been missing something, the longing to know and to, to believe and to walk in it has never stopped. It's, it's only never, grown stronger. It's only grown stronger. It's just as exciting. Yeah. It's just it 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 is the most exciting thing I, I think I've ever experienced in sure. my life and it hasn't gotten less. I've been doing this for almost twenty years now. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's not gotten any le- any less exciting to me. I don't get any less enthused about sharing it with someone who wants to hear. I'm just as equally enthused today as I was when I first started with this. Yeah. You yeah. know, so Agreed. you 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 spoke we spoke about the milestones and I think that as is the restoration Obviously, you talked about the huge milestone of, of the restoration of the nation of Israel in 1948. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the, the the prophet spoke of that about a nation being couldn't a nation be born in a day? Of course, right. the prophet could not have seen how that could have happened. That's correct. He could not could have anticipated not a not United then. Nations right. and a vote that occurs on a day, okay? And literally, a nation can be reborn in a day. That right. could not have possibly seen that. And yet, we saw that in 1948. And then, the return. Right. That of all of these signs, to me, is the the biggie uh, and I think you would agree with me. I, <laughs> did you think? Do you think I would agree with you on that this one, Kathy? Yeah, I know about you. Love, a little bit of time, <laughs> the time I've spent talking about yeah. this, living it, doing it. Yeah, I know. I, I probably drive some people crazy with it, but uh, it, it's just such a passion because if we get it, if we see it with our own eyes. It will change your life because it is God. It is God doing something miraculous right before our eyes in our generation. And again, if for, for our audience who's saying, well, what are you talking about? We're talking about the return of the Jewish people back to the land of Israel. We were told by every prophet, it's, it's, there are more prophecies about the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel in the latter days than anything else in all of Scripture, mm-hmm. bar none. Mm-hmm. And we, we see that happening. It's, it started happening, you know, w- really within the uh, 1800s, yes, trickle. 1800s. And then in the 1900s, trickle, uh, waves, waves of people waves. returning. And then with the rebirth of Israel, uh, you know, again, waves coming. But that, uh, some of those waves were, were thwarted because of the, um, the, the immigration policies at the time. People died in the Holocaust because of those policies. It's maybe a whole other yes. podcast. Um, but then, then we have the, the next big one, uh, the fall of the Soviet Union. Right. The, the, the wall of communism comes down. The wall that was keeping Soviet Jewry from, from returning home goes down uh, in 89 uh, through 91. We see the collapse of the, uh, the, the Berlin Wall. We see the disillusionment of the, the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And waves upon waves coming, and now they're they're still coming. And I and I've always asked this question: What was the greater miracle, God taking the children of Israel from the land of Egypt and moving them into the land of Canaan as a whole? And of course, He did that with great wonders, you know, great power and outstretched yes. arm. We saw them. We read about all the but miracles. But they were all in one place. But they were all in one place. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> now, after two thousand years of being scattered throughout the planet. One by one, family by family, God bringing them back to the land. I, I think that's the greater miracle. Yeah. And this is where I look at and say the, the, the miraculous in the mundane, because, you know, helping Jewish people with their documents to, to, to prove their Jewishness doesn't look like a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, driving them, you know, many miles to an Israeli consul doesn't look like a miracle. Mm-hmm. Schlepping their bags to the airport doesn't, look, doesn't like look like a miracle. But all of these things are part of that miraculous restoration, the return of the Jewish people in in our day. In our day. And and if if again if if we as children of God would recognize that God is still active, faithful, and doing this right before our eyes, it should should excite us 
to the point of wanting to be a, a part of it. You know, we talk about if you could partner with God, would you? Mm-hmm. Well, here's one of those perfect examples of how we're called as Gentiles to help in this restoration process. Yes, and we're specifically called. Specifically. You, yes, you know, yes. Isaiah 49, 22 says, I will beckon to the nations, to, to the, the Gentiles. Gentiles. And That's we... Awesome. We will be the ones who have the, the privilege of carrying the Jewish people home. And, you know, the, the, the sons in our arms, the daughters on our shoulders, the scripture says. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. That's Think- amazing. And it's happening right now. To the people in our audience, I want to stress that this is something happening before our eyes. Do you see it on the news? Right. Never. You won't. No. Never. Ever. You will not turn on the news anywhere and see it. And I think um, th- that's amazing because it's always in Israel that is central to God's plan. That's right. Okay. And 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 yet central to God's plan, not central to the world. Right. Exactly. Not at all. You know that's why there's God and there's the world. There's exactly the opposite. Right. Exactly. It's a, it's exactly. They're, they're exact opposites. Exactly. And then there are those of uh, His children who side with God. I mean that is the very definition of what happened with um, Abraham, Ivri. The word Ivri, we we say in English, Hebrew, means to cross over. It's not just crossing over the Euphrates River. He crossed over the spiritual divide from being outside of God's family to being God's child, God's family, and later God's children, God's uh, nation. He is the father of that nation. So that's why Israel is not reckoned among the nations. It's yeah. its own separate thing. It's its own separate thing. Right. When we read the scripture, if we have, if we we need to have that context, mm-hmm. you know, the evil prophet Balaam was forced by God to say only what God would make him mm-hmm. allow him to say, and he said, "Israel not reckoned among the nations." You have Israel and the nations, or or we could say God and the world. That's right. And so we need to be a part of Israel. We need to be part right. of God's plan. That's right. Yeah, yeah, there's that choice. Exactly. There's that choice. Either part of the world working on the things of the world or part of God and working on the things of God. And there is so many, there are so many of these restoration efforts, I'll say it, happening now around the world and so many opportunities for people to jump into that and Mm -hmm. help. I mean, even on a very basic level, as uh, some of you I know who are listening have already been called, you've already got that in your heart that you are, are, are that you're wanting. Maybe I'm getting we're verbalizing it for the first time for you. Okay, that mm. this is the restoration that we're talking about. Yeah, you know, but you've been called to that, and and I would encourage. Um, our listeners, that as you learn more about it, share with someone else. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. that's I, as I was learning, I was telling everybody who would not run away from me, and some people <laughs> did run away from me. Okay. When they saw me coming, me eventually. <laughs> but those who don't run away, share because you'll 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 see that spark in their eye. You know, if yeah. this is something that if this is a person that God has selected to know see know and understand okay this just like he has selected those of you who already know and feel this so it's it's an it's an amazing it's an amazing time an amazing opportunity and the 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 church looks you know what is our purpose the purpose-driven life and all of this the purpose is god's purpose that's right what he's doing and what he's doing right now is so amazing but it needs just like what we were talking about at the very beginning. Jesus remains in heaven, okay, until the restoration of all things. We're the ones that are to be about that restoration yes. now. He's calling He's each of us. That. Yes. That's our assignment. Yes, yes that's yes. our assignment. Yeah. We, we've got to see, okay, this is what's going on, and don't miss it. Um, you, you, you can read the words over and over. You know, the Jewish people, the first time uh, Yeshua came, uh, I'm sure read the words, but I think what probably happened to them is that they're that they were hearing those man-made doctrines, mm-hmm. so they did not recognize. Not, no, I mean, obviously some of them did. Some, some okay, yes, yeah, yeah. they yeah. did. But they had those man-made doctrines that kind of got in the way yeah. for them, so they could not understand. Yeah, what was going. And let me address that too for our audience that we're not saying because just as many 
there were thousands yes. of Jewish people who recognized Yeshua as the Messiah That's at right. that time. Right. There were thousands, but that doesn't make them the majority. Right. And that same with our churches today. I know that there are many of you out there who love and support Israel. And you're not the churches who are, are involved in BDS, you know, boycott mm-hmm. and, and uh, divestment sanction and divestment. Uh, you're not part of the Christ at the checkpoint type of behavior. And again, these are things that we can talk about mm-hmm. uh, another time. But there are churches who are actually literally fighting against Israel, fighting uh, a movement that we're, like what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then there are others who are, who are God-loving and they, they love Israel and they love the Jewish people. And they're probably very, I would think, interested in what we have to say uh, as they have, um, how they can go deeper yes. into that relationship and, and continue that walk. So, um, you know, we, we may sound critical, but we're pointing out fact here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're pointing out the fact that at the time of Yeshua's death, burial, resurrection, there were thousands of Jewish people, because this is a misnomer also, mm-hmm. that, 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 that all, all the Jewish people rejected Yeshua. No, they true. did not. That is not true. Um, it is, and I think later the, the church has painted uh, a different picture of Jesus, unfortunately, and, and that's a whole other problem. Yes. But um, same today, though, there is not everybody who's rejected the things that we're talking about. And I think many who would like to go deeper. And if you're searching, if you're looking for a deeper relationship with God, a deeper relationship with, with Yeshua, and a, a more satisfying walk, a fulfilling walk with them both, uh, this is what we're talking about. I think this is what God is waiting for. He wants us to come back, and He wants us to be a part of this restoration process. I think that that's, I, I, and I totally agree with you, and I, I, I wholeheartedly encourage people to, to look into this, too. Um, it's easy to, to, to get started in this obedience. It really is. Um, there, even the idea of, um, I've always found, as I start to on, uh, teach people about the holidays, Adding a holiday is pretty easy to do, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, so the, the first holiday usually added is uh, Passover. Yeah. Okay, for people coming into this understanding. Yeah, a lot of churches know? recognize the significance of Passover, uh, Passover already. Exactly. They just need so, to see the. Others. So you add you add that, and then um, we have added, you know, the very fun holiday, the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot, mm-hmm. and 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 honestly, there's not. I've never had someone who's I've invited to celebrate Sukkot. Uh, who said, oh, I don't want to do that, <laughs> who has not had such a wonderful time yeah. as they've done it and understood it and been blessed by it. Who doesn't want to party with who God? Who doesn't it's want to fun. party with God? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so so, um, so there are those steps that you can take, and I would encourage them, look back at the Word, look and study and ponder and pray about Matthew 5, 17 and what Jesus said there yeah. that that stuff isn't dead and gone that this that that and 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 there's details to work out in that I sure. understand that there's details but I think it's that paradigm shift yeah. from thinking that it's all dead and gone to like oh wait these are God's teachings why would he want those dead and gone right you know I mean you know you mentioned Passover let me just mm-hmm. use a quick example many uh, Christians fast at times during mm-hmm. the year because they want to draw closer to God. They, you know, they may be praying and fasting about something. Well, let's look at Passover, for example, and then Unleavened Bread. Many churches recognize the significance of Passover. And then if you can go seven days without eating leaven, bread, mm-hmm. it's, it's no different than fasting. You're right. reminding yourself of, of, of you're, you're drawing into God. Mm-hmm. Every time you drive by that sub shop and you say, oh, I can't do that this right. week, you're thinking, about. you're thinking about it, you know. And so, I mean, it's not that foreign, it's really. It's not foreign. It's not foreign. Yeah. It, it, it's not. And I think that because we've had such a big divide between um, our, uh, our understanding of this Christianity versus Judaism right. versus and we are actually an extension of that faith family. Very good. Okay? Well said. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but we've had this divide there, but that is an artificial divide. It is. It is an artificial divide, and and even Paul says that it's through Messiah that what what happens? We join the Commonwealth of Israel. Okay. That's right. We join the family. That's okay? right. Um, and Romans eleven talks about that. We are grafted in. Uh, Christians have heard that term. Uh, grafted into what? The olive tree of Israel. Yes. Okay. It's all about Israel, gang. <laughs> Okay, so um, so these ideas 
like I said, they're not foreign. It's just a little different way of thinking about some things that you've already kind of got something you you kind of know a little bit about. So I I want to encourage the audience to, to, uh, if this is something God has been talking to you about, to, to seek out more information about it, to, to take those steps, to, to spend time in prayer, thought and prayer as is, this is where God wants you to go. And, 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 and I can pretty confidently say this is pretty much where God wants you to go, right? It's in the Word. There's other there. Thing, yeah, there's <laughs> other things that I want you to do too. But but the restoration, I think, takes all. Of, it takes us all to do. We there's yeah. room for everybody in this restoration, yeah, right? And and um, uh, just ending once again, if you could partner with God, would you do it? Amen. 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 Absolutely. This is the opportunity. The great restoration is that opportunity. Well said, Kathy. Great. Shalom. Shalom. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.